Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Plato's Dialogue, Gorgias, Part 9 Socrates continues the dialogue with Callicles. Do I make any impression on you, Callicles? And are you coming over to the opinion that the orderly are happier than the intemperate? Or do I fail to persuade you? And, however many tales I rehearse to you, do you continue of the same opinion still? The latter, Socrates, is more like the truth. Well, I will tell you another image, which comes out of the same school. Let me request you to consider how far you would accept this as an account of the two lives of the temperate and intemperate in a figure. There are two men, both of whom have a number of casks. The one man has his casks sound and full, one of wine, another of honey, and a third of milk, besides others filled with other liquids, and the streams which fill them are few and scanty, and he can only obtain them with a great deal of toil and difficulty. But when his casks are once filled, he has no need to fill them any more, and has no further trouble with them or care about them. The other, in like manner, can procure streams, though not without difficulty. But his vessels are leaky and unsound, and night and day he is compelled to be filling them. And if he pauses for a moment, he is in an agony of pain. Such are their respective lives. And now, would you say that the life of the intemperate is happier than that of the temperate? Do I not convince you that the opposite is the truth? You do not convince me, Socrates. For the one who has filled himself has no longer any pleasure left. And this, as I was just now saying, is the life of a stone. He has neither joy nor sorrow after he is once filled. But the pleasure depends on the superabundance of the influx. But the more you pour in, Callicles, the greater the waste, and the holes must be large for the liquid to escape. Certainly. The life which you are now depicting is not that of a dead man or of a stone, but of a cormorant. You mean that he is to be hungering and eating? Yes. And is he to be thirsting and drinking? Yes, that is what I mean. He is to have all his desires about him, and to be able to live happily in the gratification of them. Capital! Excellent! Go on as you have begun, and have no shame. I, too, must disencumber myself of shame. And first, will you tell me whether you include itching and scratching? Provided that you have enough of them, and pass your life in scratching, in your notion of happiness? What a strange being you are, Socrates, a regular mob orator. That was the reason, Callicles, why I scared Polus and Gorgias, until they were too modest to say what they thought. But you will not be too modest, and will not be scared, for you are a brave man. And now, answer my question. I answer that even the scratcher would live pleasantly. And if pleasantly, then also happily? To be sure. But what if the itching is not confined to the head? Shall I pursue the question? And here, Callicles, I would have you consider how you would reply if consequences are pressed upon you, especially if in the last resort you are asked whether the life of a catamite is not terrible, foul, miserable, 
Or would you venture to say that they too are happy, if they only get enough of what they want? Are you not ashamed, Socrates, of introducing such topics into the argument? Well, my fine friend, but am I the introducer of these topics, or he who says without any qualification that all who feel pleasure in whatever manner are happy, and who admits of no distinction between good and bad pleasures? And I would still ask whether you say that pleasure and good are the same, or whether there is some pleasure which is not a good. Well, then, for the sake of consistency, I will say that they are the same. You're breaking the original agreement, Callicles, and will no longer be a satisfactory companion in the search after truth if you say what is contrary to your real opinion. Why? That is what you are doing too, Socrates. Then we are both doing wrong. Still, my dear friend, I would ask you to consider whether pleasure, from whatever source derived, is the good. For if this be true, then the disagreeable consequences which have been darkly intimated must follow, and many others. That, Socrates, is only your opinion. And do you, Callicles, seriously maintain what you are saying? Indeed I do. Then, as you are in earnest, shall we proceed with the argument? I am in profound earnest. Well, if you are willing to proceed, determine this question for me. There is something, I presume, which you would call knowledge? There is. And were you not saying just now that some courage implied knowledge? I was. And you were speaking of courage and knowledge as two things different from one another? Certainly I was. And would you say that pleasure and knowledge are the same, or not the same? Not the same, O man of wisdom. And would you say that courage differed from pleasure? Certainly. Well, then, let us remember that Callicles, the Acharnian, says that pleasure and good are the same, but that knowledge and courage are not the same, either with one another or with the good. And what does our friend Socrates of Foxton say? Does he assent to this or not? He does not assent. Neither will Callicles when he sees himself truly. You will admit, I suppose, that good and evil fortune are opposed to each other? Yes. And if they are opposed to each other, then, like health and disease, they exclude one another. A man cannot have them both, or be without them both, at the same time. What do you mean? Take the case of any bodily affection. A man may have the complaint in his eyes which is called ophthalmia? To be sure. But he surely cannot have the same eyes well and sound at the same time? Certainly not. And when he has got rid of his ophthalmia, has he got rid of the health of his eyes too? Is the final result that he gets rid of them both together? Certainly not. That would be marvelous and absurd. Very. I suppose that he is affected by them, and gets rid of them in turns. Yes. And he may have strength and weakness in the same way, by fits? Yes. Or swiftness and slowness? Certainly. And does he have, and not have, good and happiness, and their opposites, evil and misery, in a similar alternation? Certainly he has. If then there be anything which a man has and has not at the same time, 
Clearly, that cannot be good and evil. Do we agree? Please not to answer without consideration. I entirely agree. Go back now to our former admissions. Did you say that to hunger, I mean the mere state of hunger, was pleasant or painful? I said painful, but that to eat when you are hungry is pleasant. I know, but still the actual hunger is painful. Am I not right? Yes. And thirst, too, is painful? Yes, very. Need I adduce any more instances? Or would you agree that all wants or desires are painful? I agree, and therefore you need not adduce any more instances. Very good. And you would admit that to drink when you are thirsty is pleasant? Yes. And in the sentence which you have just uttered, the word thirsty implies pain? Yes. And the word drinking is expressive of pleasure and of the satisfaction of the want. Yes. There is pleasure in drinking. Certainly. When you are thirsty and in pain? Yes. Do you see the inference that pleasure and pain are simultaneous when you say that being thirsty you drink? For are they not simultaneous, and do they not affect at the same time the same part, whether of the soul or of the body? Which of them is affected cannot be supposed to be of any consequence. Is not this true? It is. You said also that no man could have good and evil fortune at the same time. Yes, I did. But you admitted that when in pain a man might also have pleasure? Clearly. Then pleasure is not the same as good fortune, or pain the same as evil fortune, and therefore the good is not the same as the pleasant? I wish I knew, Socrates, what your quibbling means. You know, Callicles, but you affect not to know. Well, get on, and don't keep fooling. Then you will know what a wiseacre you are in your admonition of me. Does a man cease from his thirst and from his pleasure in drinking at the same time? I do not understand what you are saying. Nay, Callicles, answer, if only for our sakes, broke in Gorgias. We should like to hear the argument out. Yes, Gorgias, replied Callicles, but I must complain of the habitual trifling of Socrates. He is always arguing about little and unworthy questions. What matter? replied Gorgias. Your reputation, Callicles, is not at stake. Let Socrates argue in his own fashion. Well then, Socrates, said Callicles, you shall ask these little peddling questions, since Gorgias wishes to have them. I envy you, Callicles, replied Socrates, for having been initiated into the great mysteries before you were initiated into the lesser. I thought that this was not allowable. But to return to our argument, does not a man cease from thirsting and from the pleasure of drinking at the same moment? True. And if he is hungry, or has any other desire, does he not cease from the desire and the pleasure at the same moment? Very true. Then he ceases from pain and pleasure at the same moment. Yes. But he does not cease from good and evil at the same moment, as you have admitted. Do you still adhere to what you said? Yes, I do. But what is the inference? Why, my good friend, the inference is that the good is not the same as the pleasant, or the evil the same as the painful. There is a cessation of pleasure and pain at the same moment, 
but not of good and evil, for they are different. How then can pleasure be the same as good, or pain as evil? And I would have you look at the matter in another light, which could hardly, I think, have been considered by you when you identified them. Are not the good good because they have good present with them, as the beautiful are those who have beauty present with them? Yes. And do you call the fools and cowards good men? For you were saying just now that the courageous and the wise are the good. Would you not say so? Certainly. And did you never see a foolish child rejoicing? Yes, I have. And a foolish man, too? Yes, certainly, but what is your drift? Nothing particular, if you will only answer. Yes, I have. And did you ever see a sensible man rejoicing or sorrowing? Yes. Which rejoice and sorrow most, the wise or the foolish? They are much upon a par, I think, in that respect. Enough. And did you ever see a coward in battle? To be sure. And which rejoice most at the departure of the enemy, the coward or the brave? I should say most of both. Or, at any rate, they rejoiced about equally. No matter. Then the cowards, and not only the brave, rejoice? Greatly. And the foolish, so it would seem. Yes. And are only the cowards pained at the approach of their enemy? Or are the brave also pained? Both are pained. And are they equally pained? I should imagine that the cowards are more pained. And are they not better pleased at the enemy's departure? I dare say. Then are the foolish and the wise and the cowards and the brave all pleased and pained, as you were saying, in nearly equal degree? But are the cowards more pleased and pained than the brave? Yes. But surely the wise and brave are the good, and the foolish and the cowardly are the bad. Yes. Then the good and the bad are pleased and pained in a nearly equal degree? Yes. Then are the good and bad, good and bad, in a nearly equal degree, or have the bad the advantage both in good and evil? I really don't know what you mean. Why, do you not remember saying that the good were good because good was present with them, and the evil because evil, and that pleasures were goods and pains evil? Yes, I remember. And are not these pleasures or goods present to those who rejoice, if they do rejoice? Certainly. Then those who rejoice are good when goods are present with them. Yes. And those who are in pain have evil or sorrow present with them. Yes. And would you still say that the evil are evil by reason of the presence of evil? I should. Then those who rejoice are good. And those who are in pain, evil? Yes. The degree of good and evil vary with the degrees of pleasure and of pain. Yes. Have the wise man and the fool, the brave and the coward, joy and pain in nearly equal degrees? Or would you say that the coward has more? I should say that he has. Help me, then, to draw out the conclusion which follows from our admissions. For it is good to repeat and review what is good, twice and thrice over, as they say. Both the wise man and the brave man we allow to be good. Yes. And the foolish man and the coward to be evil? 
Certainly. And he who has joy is good? Yes. And he who is in pain is evil? Certainly. The good and evil both have joy and pain, but perhaps the evil has more of them? Yes. Then must we not infer that the bad man is as good and bad as the good, or perhaps even better? Is not this a further inference which follows equally with the preceding from the assertion that the good and the pleasant are the same? Can this be denied, Callicles? I have been listening and making admissions to you, Socrates, and I remark that if a person grants you anything in play, you, like a child, want to keep hold and will not give it back. But do you really suppose that I or any other human being denies that some pleasures are good and others bad? Alas, Callicles, how unfair you are! You certainly treat me as if I were a child, sometimes saying one thing and then another, as if you were meaning to deceive me. And yet I thought at first that you were my friend, and would not have deceived me if you could have helped. But I see that I was mistaken, and now I suppose that I must make the best of a bad business, as they said of old, and take what I can get out of you. Well then, as I understand you to say, I may assume that some pleasures are good and others evil? Yes. Tis the gift to be simple. Tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. <laughs>